Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. It is Q&A Tuesday. We're going to get to that in a minute. First, I want to tell you a little story of something that happened to me this morning, and it is sleep-related or parenting-related, I promise, but I was at an equestrian store getting Myla, my daughter, some jodhpurs and some boot socks. If you are in the equestrian world, you probably know what those things are. I definitely did not know what those things were until a couple of years ago when she decided she was in love with horses and wanted to start horseback riding. But I was there getting those things, and when I was checking out, the person helping me said, hey, you are the Happy Sleep Company. And I said, cool, how did you know that? She said, I have a three-year-old daughter. I've been following you since she was born. She's an amazing sleeper. That's how I know. I've been following you on Instagram. So great. And she said, yeah, she's such a great sleeper. She still sleeps in her crib. She just turned three. I have a lot of friends and relatives saying she's too old for a crib. You should be switching her to a big kid bed. She needs a bed. And I, this person who was talking to me, I am just like, why? Why would I switch her to a big kid bed? Everything's going so well. She sleeps well. She loves sleep. She loves her crib. She's comfy there. She asks to go to bed when she's tired. So why would I change it? And I said, you are so right. This is like the number one key in regards to sleep and just parenting in general that I talk to parents about is not fixing stuff that's not broken. Don't fix the stuff that's not broken. If you are doing something that's working for you and your family and your baby or child, then stick with it. If at some point it stops working and it seems like you need to make a change, that's the point at which it's a great idea to make a change. So we had a great conversation. So shout out to that amazing mom who helped me out this morning with my jodhpurs and my boot socks for Myla. And and we had a great chat about sleep. Now let's get into Q&A Tuesday. I pulled out five questions. All of these were in my DMs. I went through my DMs this morning and I pulled out five questions for this week's podcast episode. So here they are. First one, struggling hard here. Baby is 12 and a half months. Online, I read wake windows should be three hours to the first nap and then three and a half to the second nap and then four hours to bedtime. I've been on top of those wake windows, still consistently having early morning wake ups anywhere from 4.30 to 5.45. Help. So that's an early morning. This mom is tired. And yes, the wake windows that this mom described to me in this message are what I would normally recommend for a 12 and a half month old. Three hours to the first nap, three and a half to the second nap, four hours to bedtime is really great for a lot of 12 and a half month olds. However, some children this age aren't quite ready for that big four hour stretch at the end of the day just yet. So something as simple as changing that last wake window to three and a half hours instead of a full four hours might help this one-year-old out. This one-year-old might be overtired by bedtime and that may be where these early morning wake-ups are coming from. If you listen to this podcast, if you follow us on Instagram, you know one of the biggest culprits of early morning wake-ups is too much awake time before bed the night before, overtiredness the night before. So First place I look is how much awake time is this child having before bed? What are their tired signs leading up to bedtime? And do we perhaps need to give them a little less awake time leading up to bed so they're not overtired 
Try that out first and see if it helps with those early morning wake-ups. The other thing we want to consider with a child this age is are they getting too much daytime sleep? So in this case, I would suggest that we make sure this child is not having more than about two and a half to maximum three hours of daytime sleep. And that way, as long as we're not getting more than that, we can ensure that we're not getting too much daytime sleep and that could be causing the early morning wake-ups. Next question. Do you recommend moving baby to a crib before sleep coaching? My four-month-old currently sleeps in a bassinet. We want to get sleep coaching started soon. So here's the thing. Could you sleep coach a baby who's four months old in a bassinet? You could. Is this four-month-old probably going to be too big for her bassinet pretty soon? They are. So Is there really much of a point in going through the process of sleep coaching, changing up a lot of stuff on this baby and teaching them something brand new in this little sleep space that they're not going to be in very much longer? And then like a few weeks, a month down the road, having to switch them to a crib anyway, because they're now too big for the bassinet. Or does it make sense to just make all these changes at once? Probably the latter. So I usually recommend that families start sleep coaching in a crib. So we don't start working with little ones before 14 weeks, and that's usually when I would recommend as part of sleep coaching, if we've been in a bassinet up to that point, let's just make moving to a crib part of sleep coaching too, part of all the changes we're going to make. Then that's one less change for the parents to make going forward. It doesn't mean that your baby has to sleep in a separate room from the parents. It does mean that you have to set up the crib in the parent's room or in a room with a parent if it's not already there and if your goal is to share a room with your baby for longer. Health Canada and the AAP recommend that parents share a room with baby until at least six months. So if you're planning to do that and if you're going to sleep coach in a crib, yes, that means you would have to assemble the crib in a room with a parent. But I do recommend that we just go ahead and start sleep coaching in a crib rather than starting in a bassinet and knowing that we're going to have to move to a crib soon anyway. Next question is about an eight month old. My eight-month-old is on a two-nap schedule, but sometimes his second nap ends pretty early in the afternoon. Is it okay to stick in a third nap sometimes, even like a 15-minute stroller nap? It is. Generally, I would suggest that once you get your child on a two-nap schedule, once your child can handle like three hours of awake time and they're around eight months of age, that is often when we get our child on a two-nap schedule. But if your child is having one or two pretty short naps, you may find what this mom is finding, which is the second nap just ends so early in the afternoon that there's just way too big of an awake time stretch to get to bedtime. And so you feel like maybe you should stick in a third nap. If you have a child who's on a two nap schedule, who's around eight months, who does about three hours of awake time and their afternoon nap ends around 1, 1.30, they're already done their second nap by 1, 1.30 in the afternoon, yes, you could stick in a third nap a few hours later. You could go for a stroller walk, get your child hopefully a 30 to 45 minute nap, make sure that nap is done by 5 p.m. at the latest because then your bedtime is not going to be later than 8 p.m. We like to make sure that by this age, bedtime is not later than eight. Babies usually go down better for the night at this age if they're going to bed before 8 p.m. This mom did ask at the end of that question, is a 15-minute stroller nap okay? I would suggest that you need to have enough time left for at least a 30 to 45-minute nap 
whether it's a stroller nap, a crib nap, a car nap, if it's going to make sense to stick in that third nap. If you don't even have time for a 30 minute nap before you're going to need to cap it in order to preserve a proper bedtime for your baby, then it's probably better to just do an early bedtime rather than a third little 15 minute nap. Next question for today is about a preschooler. My almost three-year-old has been waking up screaming at 4.30 a.m. and refusing to go back to sleep. Do you have any suggestions? Biggest thing I would suggest is thinking about a wake-up clock. I don't generally suggest a wake-up clock like the hatch or the grow clock earlier than, definitely not earlier than two and a half years. Most children do better with it around three years and beyond because they understand the concept of it a little bit better. But implementing a wake-up clock at this age can be really helpful when your child is in that light stage of sleep around 4, 5 a.m. and thinking they should be getting up for the day. It can help them to understand, nope, remember, the clock is blue. When the clock is blue, it's time to be sleeping. When the clock turns, say, yellow, then it's time to get up for the day. And you can set the clock to be yellow around 6 or later, as that's a more reasonable time to be getting up for the day. And then we know your child's had enough sleep. We do have a blog at thehappysleepcompany.com on wake-up clocks and how to implement them, what age to consider implementing them, and the tactics to implement around the wake-up clock. Because we can't just stick a clock in your child's room and expect them to adhere to this idea of in bed when the clock is blue, up when the clock is yellow. We probably need to attach some motivators to it. And what I mean by motivators are age-appropriate child-specific rewards and consequences. And so as parents, you decide what those age-appropriate child-specific rewards and consequences are going to be for your individual child, what your individual child is going to respond well to. And then you work those into the idea of staying in bed quietly when the clock is blue and not getting up until the clock is yellow. So if you're struggling with this, think about a wake-up clock and have a look at our blog our post on that, and you'll probably find some tips that will help you out with those early morning wake-ups with your preschooler. Last question for today. My daughter has short naps, and we do have to rock her to sleep. We recently sleep trained her for night, and she's been sleeping through the night for about a month now. How do I get her napping better? This goes back to the idea that you've probably heard me talk about before, which is we at the Happy Sleep Company always work on nights and naps at the same time with babies. And this is why because we do find that parents end up having to do sleep coaching multiple times or over and over, or it takes a lot longer for baby to understand how to go to sleep independently if we only work on one at a time. We do find that it can be confusing for baby if they are expected to go to sleep independently at night, but are still rocked to sleep all day long for naps. But in the case of this parent, they've had success with it. They've gotten their baby to sleep through the night. They still need to rock to sleep for naps and still have short naps. I would suggest for this parent or for any parent who is struggling with an individual element of sleep but has had success with other elements of sleep with some sleep coaching, that they take that sleep coaching method that they used for the part they've had success with. That sleep coaching method is clearly something that's worked for them. It's clearly something they're comfortable with. And I would suggest you consider using that same sleep coaching method for the other elements of sleep that still need some work. So in the case of this parent, if you used a sleep coaching method that you loved, that you're comfy with, that worked well for your child at night, I would probably consider implementing the same kind of sleep coaching strategy to get those independent naps down pat. 
that's probably what's going to work best because you already know your child responds well to it for some elements of sleep. And really importantly, you already know that you as a parent are comfortable with it and it's something you can be consistent about. Consistency is the key to baby sleep. It's the key to sleep coaching, having a consistent method for putting your baby down for sleep, having them learn to fall asleep independently in every sleep scenario, reduces that protest that comes along with going down in their crib. Because once they're not confused, once they're confident and comfortable and very familiar with what's going to happen in every sleep scenario, because every sleep scenario is the same, we do find that that's when babies start to sleep through the night, take longer naps, and go down with little to no protest because they're really comfy with this whole scenario. So those are the top five for the week. That's Q&A Tuesday. I hope that was helpful for you. Have a wonderful week, everyone, and I hope you all get some great rest. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.